Mentioned about uh, the, you know, this next segment, we're going to ask the question, was last night closer to a trendsetter or an outlier? Talk to me about that, Sam, because, man, have there been some flip-flopping going on, including from this guy right here. Trying to even up the finals at one apiece. Butler, elbow jumper short, right back to him. Out to Martin. Martin, three-pointer. Puts it in. Caleb Martin from downtown. Largest lead of the game for the Heat, a 12-point advantage. This is what we do during the NBA Finals. This is what we do during any championship. If it's the NFL playoffs, if it's the NBA playoffs, we hyper-analyze our opinions and feelings about the game or the series swing based on whatever happens. And much as like we saw in the last round of the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah, Miami wins one game, and all of a sudden the teases today are the Miami now going to win the series after... All the talk last week was about Sweep City after one game, and I, I just, I love that part of it. I'm not going to either extreme, because I don't know how you can. I mean, it would it would drive me crazy to go to either extreme based on how this series is going to go. I had a feeling coming in that it was likely to go seven after the first game. I mean, admittedly, I wasn't feeling great about that. You weren't, because you kept saying, hey, we already won our championship. Well, because that was it- a separate conversation. <laughs> that, that was a separate okay. mental game that I was playing with myself. Okay. Our, it, Worst case scenario, I already got my championship, which was the Eastern Conference Finals, and maybe and that was just to try to to balance the scales. I got a you. little bit. You can do that. In fairness, though, t- in fairness to that point, though, just look at the contrast, though, as far as where these emotional swings are coming from. What are you supposed to do when in one game, whether it's can't, don't, won't, whatever, a team just refuses to go to the basket? They have two free throws in a game. And then last night, they spend most of the night being the aggressor. What are you supposed to do with that? Here's the way I look at it. Okay, a lot of talk was made about Denver coming out flat. That is going to happen. But they overcame that. And they had the place rocking. The ball center is what it's called. I kept calling ball it. Ball arena, yeah. Ball arena. Okay, I'll, I'll quit calling it the Pepsi Center. Ball Arena was was rocking. It, you know, they they get themselves down there and then end up having a, a decent halftime lead and go into the fourth quarter with an eight point lead. So as flat as they came out, going into the fourth quarter with a four, an eight point lead is is a good adjustment, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself, right? I, I wouldn't even necessarily say flat. It looked like the the manifestation of the value of having experience in the playoffs, or in this case, you know, the finals. Denver's never been before. Granted, most of these guys with Miami have never been, but Eric Spolster's been to a number of these finals, but they looked, they from the opening tip, they looked flustered, they looked rushed what, on whatever their passes. It was. I, well, there's a difference between, you know, well, flat being, you know, lethargy. I, 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 heard, I heard a lot of people saying they came out flat, and that's uh, the responsibility of the coach. The reason is, they ended up going down at the, at the end of the first quarter, 26-23, but like with four minutes to, or like three minutes to go in the first quarter, they were they, down eleven. They, they only had scored like fourteen points. Yeah, yeah, they were down eleven. Max okay. Struess was was hot to come out. They were flustered and just making bad decisions with the ball, whatever the reason was. And the only reason I make that distinction is because that's how the game ended too. The way they started the game is the way that they ended the game when Miami started that's making correct. that comeback. That's that- the only reason I make that distinction between flat and. And flustered, the key sequence on the end of that being the start of the fourth quarter, 
Duncan Robinson comes into the game out of the bench to start the fourth quarter, and this was straight out of a scripted WWE tag team match. You got the one wrestler, he's getting beat up, he's on the ground, he's trying to crawl over desperately, the other guy's reaching out for the tag, he gets the tag, other dude comes in and starts laying clotheslines. Duncan Robinson comes into the game in the fourth quarter and just starts torching everybody. Duncan Robinson drives and finishes. I am so impressed with the improvement by Duncan Robinson off the dribble. In these entire playoffs, he has not just lived behind the three-point line. Great seal by Adebayo to prevent any help, and a nice three-point play opportunity for Robinson. He was just one for six in game one. Misses the free throw, but a loose ball foul. And it's going to go against Denver. I believe Jeff Green is first. These are the plays that really upset you as a coach. you got to close out possessions. This is off of a free throw. Look at Box Kyle out, Lowry. Smaller guys. Kyle Lowry just outworks Jeff Green. We've been watching Kyle Lowry do that for 17 years. Robinson fires and hits a three-pointer. Duncan Robinson three for three, all here to start the fourth quarter, and it's a two-point game. Timeout, Denver. So Duncan Robinson drives, gets the end one, misses the free throw, but 37-year-old Kyle Lowry boxes out Jeff Green, gets the loose ball foul, they get the ball back, Duncan Robinson makes another three, and even with the game that had been back and forth, I mean, if you're Denver, it should give you the confidence to say, hey, guys, as bad as we started, we were down 11, we came back and we dominated most of the rest of the first half. We can do this again, regardless of what time is left in the game, but that seemed to be the one that really opened things up for Miami. It did, and and that's where like the, the pressure shifted uh, completely, and Denver played tight or ineffective like they did for the first half of the first quarter. In that fourth quarter, as you noted, for whatever reason, uh, like it was almost a shock what Duncan Robinson did there to get him back in. And then, you know, and it's almost like the Heat really know, they really thrive on that. When when teams are indecisive because they're throwing different things at them. When they they, sense that, yeah. Yeah, when they sense that. And, you know, obviously there was some strategy that went along with it, the way that you know Miami played defensively and you know we like somebody said you know what they might do is just give Jokic what Jokic wants to have and I was like that's preposterous because you know he'll just pile this on but in a lot of ways Sam that's exactly what happened and again to my surprise yeah it, it played out perfectly game one of the series Nikola Jokic 14 assists Denver scores 31 off of those including 23 in the first half Last night, Nikola Jokic, four assists and five turnovers, and he was getting upset with some of the turnover calls. He thought he wasn't getting whistles, but four assists, only nine only nine uh, Nuggets points off of the four assists, so it really did seem to be for the case of last night. Nobody's suggesting that's the strategy, but it speaks to what Eric Spolster said during the Eastern Conference Finals. Every one of these games is, is, its own, is exactly that. It's its own game. It, one game to the next means... Absolutely means next to nothing. You also saw with that the way that they were able to erase game one. You know, Miami Miami couldn't have played much worse. They flushed that. They they played incredibly well last night. You saw two teams that the way that they played, the style they played on the floor represents 
the mannerisms that we get of the two coaches. That is correct. Now, I want to say this as far as this, they played good here. There, l- l- you know, when we had Dr. Weir in, he was at some clinic where he mentioned that uh, Greg Popovich said it's unfortunate, but nowadays at the end of an NBA game, you get the final stats, you look at one thing and one thing only immediately, and what is that? How many points did I score, right? Well, it, no, no, I'm talking about the, the coaches in evaluating the performance of the team. No, that, not the individuals. Okay. Yeah, I've, I'm get, mixing my stories up. It's how they shot from the three-point line. Yeah. Because as Bryce Alford, you know, professional player, talks about how analytics come into professional basketball and the what, how much more value there is at shooting the three-ball. I mean, you had a, a game in which Miami was horrendous, missing a bunch. Like, I think they have analytics on open threes. Somebody's not within six feet. They were 0 of 10 or something like that. Well, for the game, Miami shoots 17 out of 35 Basically, thir- 49%, 48.6. Like, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat a team that's almost shooting 50% from the three-point line. And one thing that if Dr. Weir were in studio with us right now, one thing that I know he that I could get him to talk about, as, as, as much coach speak as you're ever going to hear me do on the show, is the ball has to move with purpose. If you're going to pass it, you have to know why and where it's going. If you're going to shoot it, you not don't just shoot it for the sake of shooting it. Don't just pass it for the sake of passing it. And the way the ball moved for Miami last night, outside of the one incident when Kevin Love missed Gabe Vincent in the corner and then had to give him a hug afterwards, outside of that, the ball movement was as good as you uh, as a coach would would love to see. Yeah, and let's talk about that. So Kevin Love uh, misses Gabe Vincent, but it wasn't like he, he turned it over. He threw it to another teammate that was open. Yeah, he threw it to Max Struess, who right. got bailed out at the very end of the shot clock and got three free throws. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like it, because Kevin Love felt so bad, he found it necessary to go tell, not only just point at Gabe Vincent, but he goes over there, and here's Jeff Van Gundy, that, you know, his thoughts on seeing Kevin Love and um, and, uh, and Gabe, Vincent. Gabe Vincent, like, uh, g- like making up right there on the court. Love knows. I mean, that's a little bit dramatic just for missing a guy, though, no? No, I, I, that gave me goosebumps. What's Did you wrong with you? point at the guy? I, I missed you. We got to hug it out now? <laughs> Come on, man. What they, is wrong with this guy? <laughs> they've been talking about how Kevin Love, throughout all of this, has been such a terrific leader. Yeah, hug it out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and he's like, that's ridiculous, Mark Jackson. Come on, I got goosebumps. What's wrong with this guy? Van Gundy poo-pooing two teammates hugging it out. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk with Peter Trevisani. A lot going on with United. Zach Prince, head coach, technical director, uh, resigned after the game on Saturday night. A loss to El Paso Locomotive FC. Um, And there's not an official release on where he is going I uh, we are going to be shocked if it's any place other than New York to play for the Red Bulls and get reunited with Troy Lassane there. But we're going to find out everything and any anything and everything associated with United when we come back. We're going to talk to Peter Trevisani next on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team.